It occurs to me that in my reports to the London Times, there are many incidents which I have omitted, things seen and heard during my past three months in the American West. Here, then, some random notes. Frontier Gentlemen. Herewith, an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. <laughs> These random notes are being written as I journey from Deadwood to Cheyenne on the Cheyenne and Black Hills stage line. I recall an incident in the Montana Territory town of Helena. A tall gentleman in high hat, black broadcloth frock coat, a dirty shirt with a torn paper collar, and a most singularly unpressed pair of nankeen trousers. He stood outside a saloon with a small case of bottles set before him. Yes, sir. About a dozen men and women were crowded around in a small yellow dog. Pollock's original Mameluke liniment, a sovereign remedy for man and beast. It is confidently recommended to the afflicted as an infallible remedy for the following diseases to it. Burns, cramps, pains in the joints, sore throat, frosted feet, rheumatism, spinal complaints, lumbago, old sores, cuts, bruises, swellings, sprains, pains in the back or side... Headache, cutaneous affections, ague, cake, bites of insects or reptiles, salt rule, mange, cracked hands, tata, dysentery, cholera morbus, and cholera. What about the heaves, mister? <laughs> the heaves, you ask? Ah, and in this bottle, the answer to your question, sir. Pollock's syrup of sassafras. A cure, nature's noblest remedy for heaves, consumption, bronchitis, croup or hives, colds, coughs, asthma, hoarseness, difficulty of breathing, purifying the blood, whooping cough, and a dozen ailments too horrible to mention in a public street. To any of you afflicted with any of the diseases I have mentioned, or some that I have not, don't delay. Get your bottle of Pollux compound of syrup of sassafras, for it is certain to give more relief in a short time than all the sarsaparillas and other compounds the stomach could bear. Ladies and gentlemen, it costs only 25 cents for one bottle, or as an added inducement for your health, Pollux original Mameluke liniment and a bottle of Pollux syrup of sassafras, both for the small sum of 40 cents. Think of the dollars and suffering you will save by this miraculous I remember the game of baseball that I witnessed between two small Nebraska towns. Suffice to say that the match began at 2 o'clock. 
By six that evening, the score stood 97 to 25. And a gun battle ensued, which lasted for three days. I shall give a more complete account of that incident at a later date. Then there was the duel, fought between two ladies, rivals for the dubious hand of a swaggering young Lothario named Court Thompson. The entire town turned out for the event. The duelists were Matty Silks and Katie Fulton. They were to fire at ten paces, and all was in readiness. Well, sir, if you ask me, my money's on Matty. Matty? Ah, sure. Everybody knows Matty Silks. You mean you ain't visited? No. Now I got ten dollars, says she'll blow Katie Fulton's bustle clean out of the county. Yep. Aside from Court Thompson, Matty ain't standing for Katie's bar being on the same street. Oh, there's real bad feeling there. Now, which is Court Thompson? Fella uh, standing next to Matty. Oh, he's a one, he is. Uh, you got to excuse me now, mister. I've been selected to count off the steps. All right, folks, stand back. Let's get on with this here duel of honor. Matty, Katie, you know the rules. Ten paces, then I count three and you start shooting. Now, let's go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There you go. Ready, ladies? One, two, three. It was Katie Fulton's shot that missed Matty Silks and hit Port Thompson. Some said she'd done it perfectly, others argued that it was an accident. At any rate, Matty took the wounded Don Juan home. And as far as I know, their love burgeoned from that moment on. I must find time to send a more detailed report on Matty Silks. She's quite an extraordinary woman. Then I think of an old man, a miner I met in Fort Benton. His name was Shorthorn Tom. On our journey to locate his lost mine, he gave me an insight into Western speech, which I have found to be most valuable. He was leading a bulky mule along a winding trail, and the air was rather blue with infection. <laughs> I can't really cussing, just sort of air in your lungs. Now, now you take that mule. I call him a son of a gun. Now, that ain't rightly so, because anybody can see he ain't nothing but a son of a mule. <laughs> but he's a no good son of a gun, because that's the way it goes, see? Yeah, yes, I follow you. Oh, speaking of that, what exactly is son of a gun stew? Son of a gun yeah. stew? <laughs> Shucks, I'll tell you. That's just about the best thing a man ever put in his inside. It's got brains and sweetbreads. Oh, got to be a fresh-killed calf. Oh, oh got to be. And tongue, liver, lights, heart, kidney. <laughs> I tell you, mister, that is a something. Better than pooch any day. Yes, sir, when I find this claim, I'm going to get me a new set of teeth, and I'll show you how to make son of a gun stew. Throw everything in it except in the hair, horns, and holler. <laughs> oh, that's a real grub. Sounds it. Uh, tell me, what is hardtail? Oh, just a mule, like this ordinary stump-sucking son of a gun. Oh, uh, hardtail mule. Yes. Stump-sucker? <laughs> Ain't you never seen a horse getting his teeth against something and sucking wind? <laughs> That's what a stump-sucker is. No, oh, you don't want nothing to do with a critter like that. <laughs> no, sir. Hmm. I heard the expression, riding herd on a woman. Oh, so, <laughs> That's what? courting, riding herds. Oh. Courting. <laughs> 
Boy, you stick around old Shorthorn Tom. He'll have you talking as smart as a bunkhouse rat. Hey, you know what a woman is out in these parts? Oh, no, what? Calico, painted cat, sage hen, cow bunny, long-haired partner, quail, squaw. <laughs> you know what we call a fellow like you, green from the east? Tenderfoot, button, dude, prune picker, pilgrim, soft horn, a greener. Yes, well, what about you? Me? <laughs> a rawhide, coffee cooler, pocket hunter, river sniper. Of course... Fellas, fellas call me a lot of other things, too. <laughs> it don't really matter what they call you, though. It's what you are that counts. Now, I take you for a good partner, mister. A real good partner. Tom never did find his lost mine. He died up in the Highwood Mountains. I was with him. Then there was a performance of Otello that I witnessed in Kansas. The Frontier Theatrical Players. Otello was a fine, powerful fellow with a broad Texas accent. A cowhand recruited by the wife of a ranch owner. Needless to say, the wife played Desdemona. Unfortunately, Otello had a scant three days in which to memorize his part. The resultant scene, I report... That handkerchief which I love and give to you, I'll give it to Cassio. No, by my life and soul. Sense of a man in action. I don't want no sweet talk, honey. I'll take heed of perjury. Because you are on thy deathbed. Aye, but not yet to die. Yeah, yeah. So you confess freely about all that's in it. For... For... For to deny each huh? article. For to deny... For to deny each article with oath. Cannot remove or choke. Something, something. That I do grunt. Honey, you all gonna die. Mercy. Amen. And have you mercy, too? I never did offend you in my life. Never loved Cassio, but with such general warranty of heaven as I might love. I never gave him token. Look, I saw you. You know the handkerchief. Everything. He, uh, he found it then. I never gave it him. Send for him hither. Let he him. He confessed. What, my lord? Well, you know, he's he been dealing off of the bottle. He will not say so. Well, he won't for a fact. Honest Iaga stopped his mouth. Oh, my fear and turkey. What is he dead? Had all of his hair been live, my great revenge had stomach for all of them. Alas, he is betrayed and I undone. I'll stump him. Weep's thou for him in my face? Oh, banish me, my lord, but not kill me. Down, stump him. Kill me tomorrow. Let me live tonight. No, sir. But half an hour. Being done, there is no pause. But while I say it one prayer. It is too late. No. Oh. You take your hands off me spoon, Sam, or I'm coming up there and rip the hide. The player's conclusion had deviated somewhat from Shakespeare's intent, but I found it nonetheless dramatic. I've often wondered whether the Texas Otello continued his Thespian career. He could have made a fortune in London. Speaking of fortunes reminds me of an extraordinary thing that happened in Montana Territory. As soon as we reach the next stage station, I'll jot it down. In a moment, we return to Frontier Gentlemen. 
A man sets an elaborate scheme in motion. He plans it so well that it can't be stopped. This proves ironic when the schemer is powerless to prevent the unexpected conclusion because surely his own victim. Hear John Lund in today's startling CBS radio drama of Suspense. Lund will play the fast-talking promoter who overplays his own hand. It's a story well calculated to keep you in suspense. Today on most of these stations. And now we return you to the Anthony Ellis production of Frontier Gentlemen. Rocketing coach of the Cheyenne and Black Hills stage line had crossed into Wyoming territory. There seems no end to this incredible land of the American West. As the dark hills to the north and east fall away, the land becomes more rolling. I mention an event in Montana territory that happened to a Chinese gentleman named Li Chow. He was a well-educated man, scrupulously honest, and ran a general supply store in Helena. During a few days of my visit, I enjoyed several cups of tea and one or two chess games with him. I remember that one afternoon, he seemed quite excited. His hand shook as he poured it. This is a momentous day for me, my friend, Kendall. Oh? You are the first to know. I am now an owner of a mine. No. Yes. Here, let me show you. Ah, there. A legal document which gives me possession of the lucky hand classic claim. Well, is it good? Good? Oh, my friend Kendall, I have paid for it with my life savings. $40,000. You know that some men have been bringing me their gold dust to keep for them, as in a bank. Yes, I remember you telling me. It was their claim which I bought. I took much time, much trade talk, but finally they agreed to sell. And now I am a mine owner. As soon as I have made my fortune, Kendall, I shall return to China and live the remainder of my life in peace and security. Lee Chow was evidently the last, or next to last, man in Helena to find out what had happened. I heard it three days later from the barber who was shaving it. Hey, well, I mean, this is the biggest joke in Helena since old man Hornsby strung up that mule for kicking his wife. You mean you ain't heard? No, I really haven't. <laughs> well, well, there's a Chinese gent along the street, Lee Chow. I know him. You know he bought himself a mine? Yes, I know. <laughs> you know it's salted? Salted. <laughs> he paid 40000 for a salted mine. What the boys done was to take him a bag of gold dust every day to hold for them. Lee figures they got a whopper clean. He wants to buy in partners. No, sir, says they. Then when Lee's prime real good, the boys figures how they've done enough work and they're ready to sell out. Lee Chow buys for $40,000. The fellas take that dust and vermoose. Leaving Lee Chow with a deed to a vegetable farm. That's all it's good for. Uh, hey, oh, hold your head still, mister. I don't want to slice you. Yeah. Does he know yet? <laughs> if he don't, he's the only man in hell and ain't. 
What about the men who sold the claim to him? Well, last I heard, they was head of the California. Good morning, my friend, Mr. Kendall. Good morning, Mr. Lee. You appear downcast. Is something the matter? I've just heard some rather bad news. It's... It's about your claim. Oh? You've been cheated, Mr. Lee. There's no gold. The men who sold it to you knew it. So? But I do not understand. Yesterday, my boys who are work for me... They bring me a sack of dust. Oh, here. See for yourself. It is the same as I have seen before. Huh? Your workers took this out of the claim. Oh, it is just as it has always been. I do not understand this talk of cheating. <laughs> Neither do I, Mr. Lee. Oh, uh, here, my friend, Ji Ping. He's a very fine miner work for me. Morning, Ji. Good morning, Lee. Good morning, honored sir. How do you do, sir? Oh, my friend here, Mr. Kendall, he is worried about the claim. He worried? Why? Well, there is talk of assaulting the mine. He thought then is of gold. Here, from the work of yesterday, announce more than the first day. I do not know from where you hear this bad news, my friend, Mr. Kendall, but if the rest of my life is as unfortunate I shall indeed be a rich and happy man. Will you take a cup of tea with me? A day or so later, I left Helena and didn't return for about three weeks. Then it was only to spend an hour or so arranging for transportation to Fort Benton. I went to the store of Mr. Lee Chow and found to my surprise that it was closed. I walked to the barber shop. And over a hair trimming, learn what had happened during my absence. Lee Chow, Mister, you whisper that name around these parts. Say, ain't I seen you before? Yes, I came in for a shave a few weeks ago. Oh, never forget a face. Well, well, what about Lee Chow? Oh, he's gone. China, they say. What happened? Well, he sold that claim of his. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear it. Well, maybe you are, but there's a parcel of fellows around here who ain't. You know what that son of a gun did? What? Salted his mind. But Ain't the... that something? Everybody figuring Lee Chow an honest man. And he saw some mine. It shows you. How? I mean, I thought the claim had turned out to be good. What do you call it? A b- bonanza. That's what everybody thought. Well? You know what he was doing? Every day he had one of his coolies bringing a sack of dust. Made sure people saw it. After a while, fellas began figuring that Lee really had struck pay dirt. Couple of them went in to see Lee. He showed them a sack of dust. Yeah, well, he showed it to me. Oh, sure he did. And he had one other sack. That's all he had. One he kept in the store, the other he'd give back to the coolie who'd bring it in the next day. <laughs> well, it ain't nothing to laugh at, mister. <laughs> Do you know what he done? No, I haven't any idea. Well, he sold that worthless bit of ground for 100000 Yes, oh. sir, 100000 <laughs> Then he skips off to China. Biggest swindle I ever seen in the territory. <laughs> Fellas who bought it found out the next day. Ain't enough dust in the claim to cover a flea, but it was too late then. I have thought of the outlaw, Dick Gillis, and the interview I had with him in Virginia City. He had been convicted of holding up a stage and the murder of two men. I only spent five minutes with him, but I learned a great deal. 
We talked in his cell, the marshal sitting outside at his desk, keeping a watchful eye on us. Gillis was quite proud to be the subject of an English newspaperman's report. Perhaps he colored his life for that reason. His language was, to say the least, unusual, and so were some of his thoughts. I'm 36. 36 years out of a mother's arms I never knew. She went up Salt River when I was born. Savvy? My pa, he were a wicked old so-and-so. He used to beat the tar out of me. I run away from home when I was 10. Where did you go? Nebraska, Kansas, Colorado. I've been all over. I've seen more than most men see in five lifetimes. Less than I wish I had. What made you start this, being an outlaw? Man, don't start, mister. Chucks, I was born outlaw. Did my first killing when I was ten. Shot me my pa's horse. That's how come I run away. Why did you shoot his horse? Well, I don't know. Because I guess the old varmint cared more for horse flesh than he did for his son. I sure hated that critter. If I hadn't killed a horse, I'd have killed the old man, that's for sure. How many men have you killed? A fair fight, two. No matter telling it now, because I'm going to hang anyway. Seven. Seven I killed in hate for killing's sake. Do you have a girl? I got a wife. I ain't seen her for three years now. There's a kid, too, but I never did go back. I guess it's how they'll manage along. You know, a man like me oughtn't to take up with a wife, nor kids. There's something all fired wrong. Wrong? A fella like me. I know I done bad. I know I'm going to hang. There ain't no one going to sorrow. Kind of wish that weren't so. What do you think? I know what you mean. If I had me a 44, I'd shoot my way out of here. Not head me for the hills and live, you know? It's funny how quick a man forgets the smell of grass and sage. I should have been one of them poet fellas. I knew Jack Crawford once. You ever meet up with him? No. And you think of hanging. I sure never figured that when I was a kid. Not when you're walking around straight up. You sure don't think of that. i tell you something. I got me a, a feeling inside. Oh, it's twisted, looped up like it. it. I'd like to ask you a favor, mister. What is it? You write what I'm telling you in that English paper of yours. You say maybe somebody sorrowed when I got my neck broke, huh? Make it up maybe like uh, my wife or my kid heard and they sorrowed. I will. Day comes when a man gets to be alone. Ain't nothing more to look at except what's inside. I sure hadn't ought to kill that horse, you know? These are some of the things that I have seen, heard, during these past three months in the American West. 
In a few days, I will arrive in Cheyenne, Wyoming territory, where I shall send another report to the London Times. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Virginia Gregg, Jack Moyles, Peter Leeds, Vic Perrin, Joseph Kearns, Jack Crucian, and Winston Ross. Music was composed and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Join us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentlemen. John Wall speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network.